Well, let's pray before we look at God's word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for Jesus' teaching. We thank you for this message in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we thank you that you address us with issues that are very relevant. They were then and they continue to be today. Please help us to be open to what you are saying. Help us to hear you and not just filter it through what we want to hear. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you might have heard uh, that there is another pandemic. Uh, there is, of course, the COVID pandemic, which is now entering its third year. Uh, but many people have commented on the fact that during this time, there has been another pandemic which has to do with mental health. It's not surprising you get a worldwide uh, impact, uh, a plague kind of situation an economic crisis, you get something which everybody's experiencing, which has led to uh, loss of life, it's led to loss of welfare, uh, all kinds of things are going on, and our stress levels rise. Uh, GPs are saying that about a third or thereabouts with most GPs, they're seeing people for mental health concerns. I imagine that those involved in a range of helping professions uh, psychologists, counsellors, psychiatrists and others are looking at many situations where people are struggling with anxiety. Uh, I remember hearing Jordan Peterson, that is the famous uh, psychologist from a university in Canada, saying given what was going on in the world, he was surprised that there wasn't uh, a universal case of anxiety. He wondered how it was indeed even possible that there might be some people who wouldn't be anxious given what we're facing. Well, I hope that we'll see some good reasons, uh, not necessarily not to be anxious, but to focus our anxiety in the right place. We'll be looking at this from Jesus' words, and I need to say at the outset, I'm not going to be saying everything that there is to say about anxiety, and when my wife speaks in two weeks' time, neither will she be, Indeed, we could look at this from a whole range of different angles and explore it from many different parts of the Bible. Uh, you'll notice that inside your handout, you've got this little coloured flyer, which has just a selection of books that I printed up just this afternoon. Uh, these are ones that I'm aware of and would recommend. There are countless other books on this topic of worry, stress and anxiety. It's a big topic. It's a very important thing. And I take it, it would impact every one of us, if not now, then at some time. Well, what does Jesus have to say about anxiety? Uh, what does he have to say about this issue of what we worry about and how to deal with worries? Well, I'm going to suggest uh, that we see in this passage seven reasons not to worry. Uh, and I'm going to look at them one by one, and then I'm going to focus on what imperatives or what commands, what instructions Jesus gives us uh, in this sermon. First thing, of course, in verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more than clothes? Jesus' argument here is not to worry about things like eating and drinking and food because we matter more than these things. 
Life is more than these things. They needed to hear that back then. I think we need to hear it today. You think about the shows that dominate our TV screens, uh, the lifestyle shows, the uh, reality, in inverted commas, shows. They're so often about issues of what we eat and what we drink and what we wear and how we do our hair and how we organise our homes and declutter and collect and renovate and make grand designs and our lives are focused in this world around these what we have, what we collect, what we need, what we get rid of. In other words, our lives are dominated by stuff. And Jesus is saying, you matter more than stuff. You aren't the sum total of the things that you have or the things that you'd like to have. A person's life is not the abundance of their possessions or the lack of their possessions. Jesus is saying there's more to life than these things. Therefore, they aren't the things to worry about. Secondly, God will take care of you. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, or I'll read that next bit in the next passage. Jesus says, God takes care of the birds of the air. Uh, you look around about and we see all kinds of birds. Uh, it's a wonderful thing about living in a semi-rural kind of community with trees and with uh, bird life on the beaches. There are birds in abundance around about. Just pause to look. Have a look at the birds, whether you're talking about the little finches or the sparrows, whether you're talking about the seagulls or the majestic sea eagles. These birds don't sow or reap or store up their food in barns. And yet that's what people's lives are focused upon. Now, bear in mind, this is speaking to an agricultural kind of way of life a community where the economy probably focused around making sure that you had enough food that you provided for yourself and your family, that you're able to overcome the famines and the difficult times that might come. And so it was easy to be preoccupied with making sure you had what you needed. And Jesus says, no, God will take care of you. If God takes care of the birds of the air who don't have any of that enterprise, how much more Will he take care of you because you are more valuable to God than the birds of the air? Third thing he says, verse 27, is worrying about these things doesn't actually help. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? That's a helpful thing, isn't it? To, to consider that worry doesn't actually bring about a good outcome. Worry doesn't create a better future we, we think about things uh, and we mull over these things and the danger is to be trying to create something by our thinking and it doesn't succeed we can't do it it doesn't help can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life you notice there's a little footnote there I left it in the passage as it's printed if you were to look it up in your Bibles, you'd see that this is actually saying 
Can any of you, by worrying, add a single cubit to your height? Now, they've picked up the idea that it's a metaphor that probably has to do with longevity, but the original, I think, is funnier. That is, if, if you feel short and you look in the mirror and it confirms that you are short, then how many of you, by worrying about your shortness, are going to grow taller? Now, that's a bit mean, isn't it? Okay, if you look in the mirror and you feel tall, how many of you, by your worry, are going to make yourselves smaller? That's more likely, by the way. You see, it doesn't actually achieve anything. It doesn't help. Rather, it shows a lack of trust in God. Look at verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Another comparison here, uh, having previously looked at the birds, he says, see the flowers. Consider the flowers that grow, the beauty of the flowers. Uh, we lived the majority of our adult life in the city of Canberra. And springtime in Canberra is a beautiful place to be when it comes to flowers, particularly if you live near the lake. You might have heard of Floriard. Uh, it, it's an incredible uh, testimony to the colourful extravagance of God. You look at the tulips, you look at all the other colours that are there, you look at all the, the different beauty that is there in the creation. And I think it's not just talking about the flowers or the wildflowers or the garden flowers. It's just about everything that God has created. Whether you're out in the bush and you're looking down a valley from a lookout, or whether you've traipsed to a remote place and you've found an incredible canyon, or whether you look out over the, over the vast expanse of the desert, whether you're climbing up an extravagant mountain. You see, God is the creator and he creates these things with beauty. He creates them in extravagant, lavish ways. God's actually committed to the creation that he's made even though it's only here for a short time. Notice it says there, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You see, th there's no benefit in worrying about what it is that we're going to wear, what it is that we look like, what our appearance might be. God has created each of us, beautiful. And I think that's an important lesson for us in a world which is driven by image. And I don't think it's ever been more prevalent than it is now in a social media ubiquitous world where it's Facebook and Instagram and that shows you my vintage. There are other things I know called ticky-tocky and and snappy chatty and um, other things. But they're about image, aren't they? They're about presenting beauty. 
whether it's the beautiful latte art in the cup of coffee, or whether it's the beautiful makeup on the face, or whether it's the beautiful shot of you being caught in the barrel in the green room, or whether it's a wonderful picture of you and your family. So much of it is shaped by our desire to make ourselves beautiful. And God says, you already are. God will clothe us. You see, the problem there at the end of this verse is, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? See, it's a trust problem deep down. If we are spending our life worrying about what we will wear, worrying about our appearance, worrying what we look like, worrying whether we satisfy this ideal that we think we've got to measure up to, then we are turning our eyes away from God and not trusting in him. The fifth thing, it's actually a godless way to act. Look at verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans or those who aren't Christians run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. See, if our whole life is chasing after these things, what we eat, what we drink, what we wear, where we live, what we drive, our experiences, the things that we are grabbing for ourselves, then we are just like everyone else. And that's Jesus' point. You are not just like everyone else. Remember this, this is his, you are part of the kingdom speech. This is why you are to serve God and not money. This is about the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of earth. And he's saying, if you live this way, then you've just gone back to the kingdom of this world. You're just like everybody else. Rather, Jesus says, the sixth reason, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus says there's a much better way that rather than being anxious and concerned about ourselves and what we look like and what we have and how we fit in, there's a better way, and that is to seek first the kingdom of God. Actually, have our priorities and our values shaped by the things of God and not the things of social media. To have our focus on the things that matter most to God, which, by the way, are eternal, and not the things that we gather for ourselves, which, by the way, are going to get eaten or stolen or rust. He's just made that point in the passage we saw last week. There's a much better way, and that is to focus ourselves firstly on his kingdom and his righteousness, and look at what it says, and all these things will be given to you as well. There's no point worrying about about what we will eat or drink or wear. Focus on God, and he'll take care of the rest. And lastly, verse 34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Um, you, You might have heard that song that goes something like, Don't worry, be happy. Yeah, I, I think there's something about um, 
life giving you trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. Guy was reading the Sermon on the Mount when he wrote that song. See, why worry about tomorrow when today has its own issues? And yet that's what leads to real anxiety. You might have heard an ad on, on the radio. It's, uh, I'm not sure whether it's Beyond Blue or Black Dog or another one of the um, mental health organisations, but it talks about somebody who's driving in their car and they're worried that they're going to be late for work. I'm running late. I'm running late. I'm running late. And they feed that over and over in their mind. And then that leads to another thought. I'm going to get in trouble with the boss. I'll get in trouble with the boss. I'll get in trouble with the boss. And then they feed that and it leads to another thought. And the boss is going to sack me. And the boss is going to sack me. And the boss is going to sack me. And they feed that and it leads to another thought. And I'll come home and I won't have a job. I won't have a job. And then my wife will leave me. And I'll be divorced. And I'll end up in the gutter. And my life will be over. What was going on? Someone was running late for work. Worrying about where that leads is a pattern that can lead to serious anxiety. Now, I'm not going to get into this as a psychologist, because I'm not. But I think what Jesus is saying is don't worry about tomorrow, not because it might lead to a serious anxiety disorder. But no, don't worry about tomorrow, because God has got this. He'll look after tomorrow. He'll look after today. He'll provide for you. He loves you. You're valuable to him. You see, when we look at what Jesus actually says here, there are a number of things that stand out, and I've highlighted them for you in the passage. Do not worry, verse 25. Do not worry, verse 31. Do not worry, verse 34. But I'm worried about the fact that I often worry. And so we get into that spiral. Jesus is saying not to be anxious about the things of this life, not to be concerned about the values and priorities of this world, not to be all hung up about the things that everybody is investing themselves in wanting to have, not being hassled about the fact that we might not have what our neighbours have or or the pressure to be like those around about us. He's saying, don't worry about that stuff. That's the stuff of this kingdom, he says. Instead, he says, look, verse 26, look at the birds of the air. Down in verse 28, see how the flowers of the field grow. Have a look around you. Slow down. Take a deep breath. God has given you an object lesson. I think we see this every day and don't take this to heart. Have you got a garden? If you don't, don't worry. <laughs> Next door neighbour got a garden? Don't worry if it's better than yours. Do you ever get out in the garden? Have you ever walked along the headland of Grant's head when the wildflowers are blooming or gone down to perpendicular point and gone round the flower bowl? Have you wandered around sea acres? Have you been to a botanical gardens? 
Have you been out to a park lately? Do you look at the birds when they rest on the fence or on the wires or when you hear them chirping in the trees? Well, here's God's object lesson. They testify to God's loving goodness towards you. When you look at the beauty of God's creation, know this, that God made this on the first day, this on the second day, this on the third day, this on the fourth day, this on the fifth day. And in the midst of all that God created, he said, let us make man in our image. And he made people as the pinnacle of his created work. And so if God cares about the flowers, if he cares about the, the trees, if he cares about the surf, if he cares about the birds, if he cares about the animals, if he cares about this world, then know this, he cares about you. There's an object lesson. But I want you to look further than that. Because the sad reality is that as we look at our world, we also see a world where there is disease where there's warfare, where there's corruption, where there's abuse, where there's all kinds of crime, where there's harm. And so we need to remember that God has not given up on this world and God continues to love us in this world. And the evidence for that is in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago as Jesus is carrying his cross as he's nailed up and as he breathes out his last. God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, if God would not spare his son for you, you can guarantee that he will love you and preserve you. So don't be anxious. No, instead, pray. Pray. Come back to the passage that we looked at a fortnight ago, the Lord's Prayer. It's in the same chapter of Matthew. And so if we're thinking about how to respond to the issue of anxiety and worry, then Jesus has already taught this. So it's already relevant. This is already laid down for people. He says to pray, to pray, our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And look at verse 33 again. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added as well. So if you're worried about these things, pray the Lord's Prayer. Seek first his kingdom. Pray that God will establish his kingdom, that his kingdom will come, that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we might be tempted to immediately be praying about our needs. God, give me this item of clothing. God, give me this wonderful banquet. God, give me this, this rich and beautiful wine. God, give me these things. But pray first, your kingdom come, your will be done. 
as we look to God's priorities first, so we can bask and rest in the reality that God will take care of us. If you don't look to God's priorities, then you'll never be reminded that God has already said that he'll take care of you. And so you'll just be in that cycle of, I need, I pray, I need, I pray, I need, I pray. Whereas what Jesus is teaching us is to pray God's priorities and he will look after us. Does that mean I shouldn't pray for what I eat or what I drink or what I wear or where I live or what I drive or where I go or what I experience? No, pray about that too. Give us today our daily bread and drink and clothing and accommodation and health needs and whatever else might lead us to worry. Bring it to your Father in heaven, knowing that he loves you. What a privilege it is to be able to do that. Thank you. While the musos are coming up, um, why don't we pray? I'm just going to leave uh, a minute of, of quiet. You might like to bring, <clears throat> bring this before God yourself, um, perhaps thinking about the, the created uh, environment that we live in, being reminded of God's goodness maybe bringing before him the worries that you have, and maybe following the Lord's Prayer and praying that God's kingdom will come first. Why don't we pray?